This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you with us again. Today, we're going to talk about sharing the gospel, and I have Josh Heisterkamp with us. Say hi, Josh. Hey there, everyone. Yeah, so it's uh, great to have you. And uh, Josh has been engaged in sharing the gospel in some different kinds of ways lately. And so we're going to share a little bit about that, things he's learned, things he's thinking about, things he's rooted in scripturally. And so I just want to start with a little bit of biblical background, thinking about sharing the gospel. Um, I read something recently that God could have chosen to save lost people by any means, but he chose to save us by the power of the gospel, proclaimed to sinners. Obviously, mm -hmm. it was the action of Jesus' substitutionary atonement on the cross for our sins, his resurrection life that we proclaim. But the thing is, it has to be proclaimed. And mm -hmm. so we see that, for example, if we want to think about theology beginning in the Old Testament, Jonah was called to go and declare the true God to Nineveh and declare God's mercy, his loving kindness. And he knew about the iniquities. He knew about the wickedness of Nineveh. And so he didn't want to go. God said a couple of times at least, um, he said, arise. This is Jonah 3, 1, 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Proclaim to it the proclamation, which I'm going to tell you. Likewise, Ezekiel finds himself in the spirit and he's brought down to this valley of dry bones. And most of us remember Ezekiel 37. God asks him if he thinks the dry bones can live. Ezekiel says, oh, Lord God, you know. And then God tells him to prophesy over these bones, say to them, oh, bones, hear the word of the Lord. So that's a couple of Old Testament examples of people called to proclaim truth. Then the New Testament passages that we're probably most, almost all of us are familiar with, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, and a part of the commission is teach them. How do we teach them? We teach them through words, through verbal proclamation. Likewise, Mark 16, 15, Jesus says the great commandment in a different way. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all, cre all creation or proclaim, tell people about the good news. Then over in Romans, the Apostle mm -hmm. Paul, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. So one of the questions that comes up is, why does he say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel? Possibly because he knows that he was, that the Romans could have been, and that we could be ashamed to declare the gospel. Mm -hmm. That is difficult for us to do. And then, just kind of finish up a short summary here. Romans 10, 9 through 15, another very familiar passage, says that the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe, has to be 
preached and that people have to come and confess Jesus as Lord. And then this leads to a series of questions in Romans 10, 14. How then can they call upon the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And so one of the mistakes that happens is we bring up these kinds of uh, passages and people say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm just an ordinary, everyday kind of person. Why don't we just start right there, Josh? Yeah. And when people say, I'm not a preacher, I don't have any responsibility to share the gospel, what would your answer to that question be? Yeah, uh, really, it's a two-part piece. But the the first part in regarding to not being a preacher, every person, uh, the Bible talks about how every person that is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ is part of the priesthood. And so to say you're not a preacher, you may not be a pastor on Sunday as far as the one bringing the message to the people. That may not be the role you play um, within the church body. But even Paul, uh, who people say, well, he was an evangelist, of course, that's the case. But in 1 Corinthians 9, I think he really draws something out for us, talking about living in his salvation. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that he preaches the gospel, not out of duty, but out of compulsion. It's, it's a mere response uh, to accepting the gift of grace through Jesus Amen. Christ. And, and that really, if you put it in context of the letter, he's speaking to a church that's incredibly corrupt. And what he's essentially saying is if you really do have Christ, part of the way that you know that you have Christ is that Christ comes out of you by means of sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, the Great Commission, as people want to talk about it, was that just to some or was that to every born-again believer? The answer is to every born-again believer. Yes. Um, does it come naturally and easier for some people? Absolutely. Um, the book of Hebrews tells us, matter of fact, that it's by regular and constant use. For some people, that's what it takes. And by constantly being in the Word of God, you become more familiar with the Word of God, and it becomes more natural to speak the Word of God. And and so that's something where for, for some people, it is a you must dedicate yourself to it. But I think we have to ask the question with that too, if you really, if I have the life of Christ inside of me, why wouldn't I share it? Hmm. And, and and that's really where Paul's message in First Corinthians nine saying, "I speak the word of the gospel out of compulsion, and woe to me if I don't." Hmm. The reason why he said that is because it's the natural response of a person that understands the gift that they were just given, that wasn't meant just for them. Uh, one of the passages that impacted me when I think about who is the church now being part of the church of Israel, if you will. Uh, Back in Isaiah, we read that God meant for his people to be a light to the nations, not to just stay stationary. And that's the entirety of the church body. That's not speaking about one individual. So we have to get our eyes off of one individual person that we like to call a pastor and really understand that the the proclamation that we're to give, it it is a duty of any and every born-again believer uh, but God demand, God desires it to be something that is also the desire of our heart, not that we do out of duty, but because we understand the gift that he's given. And so he chooses to invite us into his ministry to the people. Yeah, so we really have to blow up our categories. Every person who knows Christ as Savior, like you said, is a priest and a preacher. And mm. that's a part of God's calling. I, so all of that scripture plus much more. Uh, really provides a foundation for the reason why we share with people. And I know that's a part of uh, what motivates you, Josh. Uh, Why don't we just take a couple minutes to kind of step back and tell people who you are, 
mm-hmm. just a little bit about your family, a little bit about what, how God led you into going out and sharing more intentionally with people and yeah. just what God's been doing in your life. Uh, so my, my family, you know, as a, as a kid, I grew up in a Christian, uh, God fearing home. My parents taught me who God was, uh, from a very young age. I didn't receive Christ though, even though I'd professed him for many years, I did not actually receive the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ coming in and changing my life and accepting it unto salvation really until I was 16, um, had, had really lived a life for a while. Um, but that doesn't mean that everything all of a sudden, it, it did change in the fact that God gave me a new nature. But aside from that, I didn't dive in to understand what that all meant. And so it wasn't actually until in college um, that I had had some moments of rock bottom that I had hit that uh, God began to teach me I need to be in his word and I need to understand what he's calling me to and that there's it's not just a future of being in heaven one day, um, but that he's given me life for right now to be able to be sustained in a world that's falling apart. And and that's probably one of the biggest pieces that I see people missing out on today. And it, it, it's painful to see people walking around looking for purpose and hope in this world. And here I am. I, I'm so thankful that God's called me into his family because I don't, I'm not searching for that anymore. Um, so anyway, that, that, that's a general little bit of background, but my family and so I moved just, to... Just yeah. before you go on, so would you say that was a response to a, of obedience, to understanding mm-hmm. more deeply what it means to declare yeah. Jesus as Lord? Um, well, what I found, what I found actually, so in that college time frame when after I had received Christ and, and things were falling apart, what I had found was that I was really struggling through life. Uh, I had a bad situation take place. It was eating me up so much inside that I actually, to a certain degree, turned away from God. I never denied God. Um, I, that, that was not even something that even came across my mind, but it was more so a, God, I'm not happy with you right now because you would even think about allowing that to take place in my life mm. sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, one of those very painful situations where we want to blame God, um, not necessarily deny him, but just blame him and be upset. But what I came to realize and understand over time was that actually God allowed something to take place to actually protect me from so many other things that I didn't know at that point. And that that wasn't uh, that didn't come to my mind for understanding how much God had actually protected me from until I dove into his word and I began to look back at the situation and look forward at where he's taking me to understand what God was actually trying to accomplish in my life. Yeah, I thought it was important to highlight that because I think um, many of us go through situations like that yeah. at some point. Yeah, and lives. that's why it's yeah. important to be in the word of God. And that's that's where God was calling me to is to find out just how satisfying his word is for yes. right now. Yeah. Um, so that, that was big. Uh, so my wife and I, we came to Adele, uh, about seven years ago and, uh, we were involved in a lot of the youth things that were going on at that time, uh, worked here locally, was able to get to know a lot of different people and see the church kind of go through many different spheres of things that were happening. But with that, one of the things that I knew in my heart, I was scared about was going to my neighbors, the people that knew me the best probably because they saw me as I was raising my children and wondering what they would say if they found out I might possibly be a Jesus freak. Yeah. And, and, and so it was, it, it scared me. It scared me to go and witness to my neighbors. And so I was looking for ways to do things, whether it was uh, with youth of the town that weren't my neighbors sort of thing. It's just where we're at church. And so it's comfortable because we're in the church walls so we can talk about church things. Additionally to that, um, I would even be willing to, and actually was making plans to initially go to people that weren't my neighbors specifically, because my neighbors are the hardest ones to talk to. 
Um, so anyway, so God really began to work in my heart though and teach me, Josh, you're scared and you need to learn that I've got you. And, um, so actually, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, as we go back to the very beginning of this coronavirus thing, as, as everything was beginning to blow up back in March, I had actually made plans, uh, to go in and try to witness to people in Adele, but not specifically, I actually, in my heart, if I'm honest about it, I was looking to start in Adel, but the furthest point away from my home. <laughs> Just go out to the edge, uh, the other yeah. edge of town. Huh? Yeah. You know, and it's really interesting how God knows, God knows the intentions of our heart. Yeah. And, and, um, it, and he knew where my fear was at. And so when I look back at it, and this is even where some people would say, would God really use something like coronavirus? I, I'll tell you my life. He did in this way. Uh, he allowed everything that I had been planning that seemed good and looked good on the outside here I am, God. I'm willing. I'm willing now to go share your gospel to people in in Adel. But it was under my pretenses of not going to my neighbors because that's just too difficult, Lord. I'm, I don't want to know what they what they would think. And this and shut that, that off. Did that start as a class project? This was going to be a class project. It yeah. was something um, as I was finishing school, uh, looking to get a Bible degree. Um, there was a project there, but this was something that um, the we reason I chose that, this, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, in, in all honesty, actually, the project I chose this project of going to the community because it was what it was on my heart. Actually, very, it, it, it almost didn't even match the criteria of what the class was calling for. But what they were asking for and what God was putting in my heart were two completely different things. So I actually worked with my professor and said, "Hey, this is what God's putting in my heart. This yeah. is what I'm going to go do." Um, and, and thankful to him, he was actually very polite about it. He said, if that's what God's put on your heart, then you're going to do that. Wow. And, and so I was very thankful for that response. And so I proceeded as a class project, if you will, to go and, and ask questions in the community of Adele. Interesting enough, coronavirus hits, everything shuts down. It's no longer a position to be in, to go knocking on doors during the very beginning parts there in March. But... It was like God turned on something in mind and said, Josh, your neighbors, they'll definitely listen to you even during all of this. Because they know you. Because they yeah. know me. Because they do know me. He yeah. used the very fear that I had to be <laughs> the thing that actually introduced and opened up that door. Yeah. And so uh, my wife and I, we, did, we came up with an idea to um, serve our neighbors in a very specific way. Uh, we, we actually typed up a letter to them, just one page, because we didn't, we didn't want it to be something that they'd look at and be like, that's too much, and they throw it away. So we kept a letter, basically, to them, one page, with our information to reach out to us via email or cell phone at the, at the bottom. But we went through our testimonies of faith of what God has been doing in our lives, not just to the point of salvation, but since our salvation, yeah. and, and the hope that we have even in hard times. And then we just asked them three very simple questions regarding who God is and and could we know that this God exists. And then we left our numbers there and said, if you're wondering if you have any questions, we'd love to talk to you. And then we basically hand-delivered a gift to each one of our neighbors during that time um, and said, we're praying for you. We want you to know that we believe in a God that exists that's even in control right now. Um, there's a letter in there for you. We'd like you to read it. Uh, along with the gift. And if you've got questions, just know our door will always be open to you. Yes. And that was the starting point of conversation. And I would say about three quarters of our neighborhood, we had opportunities to talk with some very shallow conversations that never really did get deep, but some that we were able to talk to and actually present the gospel. And it's in their court. Uh, one of the things that God caused me to realize is I don't control the results. But if he's called me to ministry and sharing the gospel, 
that I am called to share the gospel. And, and that's for every believer out there. That's not for some, that's for everyone. Yeah, I've found with my neighbors that over time, I've had opportunities in various kinds of ways to share, talk with them, invite them to church, all different kinds of things. And it just kind of varies, uh, like you yeah. say, but just kind of hanging out. It's a little easier in the yeah. summer than it is yeah. in the uh, winter. But uh, I love your intentionality that uh, you guys have, Josh. And uh, I know you were telling me before we started recording, uh, some other things that yeah. you're doing as well. Yeah. So uh, really, once the beginning part started, we we went, we knocked on a few doors in our neighborhood, literally touching our neighborhood. There's only one house that we didn't in initially get to talk to of one of our neighbors. But since then, we've actually had that gentleman in our home. We've worked through the gospel together with him. He's he's struggling through life circumstances right now, which actually is probably the that that conversation actually led us to we've been praying, how do we follow up with these people? How do we mm -hmm. not just let that be the one time and okay, God, I did my part. That That's not how it goes. Um, that's sometimes how God works, but very seldom, I would say. Yeah. Um, and so we were praying about, okay, God, how do we follow up to this? Uh, the one house we were not able to have answer as far as a neighbor, come to find out he was just going through life situations, mm -hmm. uh, very difficult for him at that point. And so he actually was very seldom even at home, hence the reason why he never answered the door because he wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but he was mowing his yard one day, which believe it or not, that was actually kind of rare. And uh, and so I went over and just started talking with him a little bit. Ended up, we had him to our house that night for dinner mm. and we're able to talk with him for a couple hours. It was supposed to only be, hey, come over for dinner. He's like, I'll come over for dinner, but then I'm going to go back home. He ended up being in our house for three, four hours mm. of just working through different things, yeah. coming to find out about different pains that he had, um, walls that he had built up in different ways. And actually, I think that gave us a little bit of vision as to how to listen and and help our neighbors and be willing and able to share the gospel with them. Um, we began to see and have different neighbors reach out to us with, would you pray for this? This is the stuff that's going on in my life. And I'm starting to realize that you pray. And, and that was really the entryway into where we were able to start talking with people. We had one of our yeah, neighbors. We just talked about that last night in yeah. our small group meeting uh, as we were working on some things. And uh, that's exactly what we said was conversations have been, we, we were talking about the same kind of thing. Conversations are open when we ask people, can we pray for you? And they may not understand what that means. They yep. may not know the difference between a Christian prayer and a Buddhist prayer, but it's a way of loving them, a way of communicating with them. And then it opens up other opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we had, um, not to be too specific, but at the same time to give a little bit of detail, yeah. because I think we need to be Sometimes as a church body, we are not very aware of situations going on in the community. Yeah. And sometimes the person right next door to us. And for us, uh, for us, we had neighbors, tangibly neighbors, uh, going through real situations that we had no idea were going on until mm -hmm. they came over to us crying and saying, this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. We just need to talk with you and let you know what's going on. And that's led to opportunities, again, to share the gospel. Um, yes. Uh, you know, and that's the primary focus. And so when we're in these conversations, one of the things my wife and I, that God's been putting on our heart is, Josh, if I put you in that place to hear that conversation, then I'm also allowing the opportunity for this conversation to be taken and turned towards how can you share me with them? And, and that's been something that God's been retraining my brain on is how, as I'm talking with a person, is there a way to enter into a conversation where we can talk eternally about this person's soul? 
get them off the immediate and understanding that the immediate is immediate, but there's a long-term and everyone's got a soul that's going to be in eternity somewhere. How do I turn that conversation in that direction? Yeah, and the Spirit of God can show us and uh, give us that opportunity, like you yeah. say, if we're looking for it. I've seen that yeah. lots of times. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's really where things, in essence, started. Um, after we had got opportunities to talk with our neighbors, uh, people became maybe a little bit less fearful of how coronavirus is working through in different ways. One of the things that continued to kind of press in my heart was people want to see people right now. They really want that personal interaction. They want someone to care yeah. for them. And as you begin to see some of the pains of your very neighbors, you can actually walk around the rest of town and start to see pains that other people are experiencing without even talking to them. Yeah. And there's a lot, like you say, even more magnified right now with That's the right. loneliness and depression and just issues going Absolutely. on in people's lives. And I'm sure Jake is here with us. I'm sure you see that in youth as well a lot. Yeah. 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 And so... Uh, as time progressed, I chose to go back to working towards the project that I initially put on. Um, and it was like things were falling into place to allow that to actually happen, which was to actually, unlike what a lot of church people think, knocking on doors. And it's actually been incredibly effective uh, in, in being able to just have a conversation with people. I, I'm not looking at, you know, how many salvation testimonies or things like that. Once again, the results are in God's hands. So I, I kind of have to get my mind off of that and go to God, am I allowing you to use me to plant seeds and then yeah. you'll water it and see it go as the, it goes. The place that most of us go is the only quote, quote, religious people that knock on doors are Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. Yeah. And so we're freaked out yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And not to mention this, we won't talk politics, but that's the season we're in too. So you add that, <laughs> add that one to the group and, and, and we'll just leave it so there. I think you could be one of those three. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You could be definitely one of those three. So, uh, you know, so one of the things, uh, one, one of the things uh, I knew that had to happen if I was going to do this, I had to go to people. I had to let them see me as a person. You know, partway through, I got the opportunity to bring one other young man with me as well. That was a pleasure to do. I'll come back to that. But God had put this conviction on my heart that it's time to start those conversations and allow people to conversate and speak. Yeah, and specifically I was very surprised them speak. Uh, when he told me yeah. just what happened uh, when you began yeah. to do this. So go yeah. ahead. Go on. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, I, when I was trying to put together, God, okay, what does this look like? One of the things that became quickly impressed on me was oftentimes when people go door to door, they want to do the talking. And so oftentimes people immediately shut down because they're tired of someone trying to sell them something. And so one of the things that I believe God put on my heart is, Josh, just ask questions. Questions go a long way. And so uh, actually I went out to people with the idea of I'm going to treat this like a survey. And I'm going to ask people what their opinions are, what their thoughts are on certain topics and allow them to speak. And what I also found, so for example, the very first question that I asked people after I would introduce myself, say I'm doing a survey, you know, this is not politics or anything yeah. like that. I'm going to take five minutes of your time and that's it unless you want to talk more. And I always specified unless you want to talk more. Uh, and, and then I would follow them up and just say, look, I'm from town. I even let them know where I live because they need to know I'm not just some person traveling through. I'm invested. Right. This is where I'm at. And I care about you. I, I'm coming up to you because I care about you. And uh, so so I would even tell them, hey, I live up by the elementary school. You know, they need to know that. Um, and then I'd ask them for a couple minutes to ask a couple survey questions. And I let them know this is about church stuff, but I'm looking for your opinion. I want to hear what you think. 
And the first question I would ask is, what, what's your opinion? What does a good church look like today? And I'll tell you, everyone's got an opinion on that. <laughs> Even the people that yeah, don't go to church sure. have an opinion on that. Um, <laughs> it, it, but that's okay. That's okay. It, you know, this is, I, I want, the, the thing that became important was, I want them invested in the conversation. I want them to start opening their mind to where I'm trying to go. And so they, you know, sometimes people would give very generic answers like, well, I want them to be inviting. Um, you know, maybe stained glass windows, things like that. Well, you know, it, it very it, honestly, the answers yeah. sometimes up front are more often than not somewhat shallow. But I think one of the things that God began to impress my heart is let them know, okay, is there anything, is there anything else? And I don't know why, but that question of, is there anything else to them? It was, it's for most of these surveys that I've done immediately they're like, oh, he really is here to listen. Yeah. At first they just thought you just want an answer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now they're like, oh, you're, you're here. You really do want to listen. And so then they would say, well, and then they'd get into the next three or four things that actually did matter to them. So actually things like caring people and uh, people that are in with, yeah. live with integrity and all those kinds of things. Or, or they'd and, even yeah. bring up their points of contention of oh, okay. uh, the, the church doesn't accept this. The church doesn't accept that. Yeah. And they would, they would, begin to spill what they really thought. The first couple of things really weren't what mattered to them. Yeah. Th that really was just their first forefront thought to try to keep the conversation shallow. But once they understand, no, I really am here to listen to you. Yeah. Then all of a sudden they'd open up. So then I was able to go into other conversations like, you know, what do you believe about the Bible? Is it true? Is it fully true? Partially true? Is it really from God? You know, things like that. And, and here, once again, just hear their thoughts. And oftentimes my follow-up to that was, what makes you say or believe that? Mm -hmm. You know, allowing them to speak. And more often than not, unless a person asked for me to speak, I would maybe speak a tenth of the conversation. Yeah. And, and it was fun because you, you knew where to go next. It's almost like God showed you through their words where to go next to have a conversation with them. I think sometimes that's where, and I've struggled in this big time over the years. You know me, so you know that well enough. I struggle to listen sometimes. I struggle to stop and pay attention. But if we're willing to ask a few questions and let them speak and honestly let them speak, right. they will open up. Yes. Um, and I know you alluded to, you know, how, how well is this? Well, I'm not big into statistics, again, because the results are in God's hands. Uh, but I, I will say I'm still shocked that about 80 percent of the doors that I knocked on that people answered about 80 percent of the people that answered the door would go through every question I asked them oh. and that to me I, I thought it would be maybe a third of that and I was like you know and I was comfortable even if it was just a few saying god that's awesome I got a couple conversations I don't know that there's been one time I've gone out yet that I haven't talked to at least five people Every time I've gone out. Yeah, that's remarkable. And some have uh, yielded further conversation and investigation. Yep. There seems to be a uh, lesson here for us as believers, and that is that, number one, we can really engage people at a deeper level. And number two, people want to be engaged if we don't come out offensively, just kind of overwhelming them, but really act in loving them by being a good listener that earns the opportunity for us to be able to share and to speak. But yeah, to get to that point, to have the courage to enter in, to ask questions, to engage, and then to ask, Lord, what are you doing here? That really does take intentionality. It does. Um, and I would say 
at first, once again, I was scared for almost seven years before even starting this. So, you know, so I, I've had some people say, well, you're just gifted in this area. And I'm going to tell you, no, that's not true. That That's just flat out not true. I was scared out of my socks for six and a half years to the point where I didn't even go to my neighbor's. I worked inside the church walls, and if people came inside the church walls, I'd open up. But that's hard to admit. Question? Yeah. I mean, people might say, uh, "Yeah, but you studied all these kinds of things, Josh, and you have the gift of gab." How would you answer that? Yeah, Um, I would say a couple different things. Uh, Matter of fact, I was just speaking with some young uh, individuals we were able to have over some college and high school young adults to our home the other night, uh, had an awesome time. They ended up being at our house to like 1230, which is way past my bedtime, way past yeah. my bedtime. But, um, in talking with these young adults, it became very apparent that many of them had very little grasp of history. And I, I said, you all are very smart individuals. I know some of you do very well in school. You have the ability to read. Why are you not using that? That is one of the best tools God ever gave you. And, and, I, I don't like reading. I've learned to love it. Yeah. But it, anyone that knows me, my attention span is very little. So for me to sit down and read, that was difficult at first. But again, with constant use, like what God's word tells us in Hebrews, there's certain things that you learn to mature in and you learn to find how cherishable they are. We have to be diving in. If you're not diving in, especially in a changing world like this, you are going to be held captive by the world. That's not even a question. That's why Paul was so urging people to say, go deeper in your maturity. Don't you're still young. You're still drinking milk. And he's trying to call them to get to eating the meat. He's saying you need to go deeper in understanding your faith. And he didn't speak about it as uh, this is a declaration from the Lord. What he's saying is like, this is good for your soul. You need this. Like, this is good. No different than a child being raised up. You need this. This is good for you, and and God desires to show you who he is so you can live in an even, even deeper faith. One of the things that I had to do a study on one time uh, for my own soul was not a school thing, wasn't anything else. I had to go through and do a study of why is it that periodically the disciples would ask Jesus for more faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really the question that they're asking me is, God, could you give me more of that seed? I, w- I want more seed. Instead of one seed, I want ten seeds of faith. And his response, more often than not, the response he gives is, you don't need more quantity of faith. You need depth of faith. And and that's why we read back in Psalms chapter one, that a person that meditates on the word of God, meditates in the law of the Lord day and night, he is like Mm -hmm. a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season. It does not wither. And in everything he does, he prospers. And, and, And that 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 stuck out to me. That stuck out to me because God's not telling me you need more seed, uh, more faith seed in your life. You need to take the faith you have and let it take root in your life. And that's a depth thing. That that's us being called to understand the God and the life that He's given us more. Amen. Yeah, there's a friend, uh, passage over in Jude, uh, verse three. It says, "Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation." We share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And so he's urging them, contend for it. This is something that's important. It's vital 
Um, and it's even vital for your growth to mm-hmm. be sharing your faith. Yeah. And so, in fact, there's another verse I was looking for that explicitly says when we share our faith, we grow deeper. And I couldn't quite put my uh, eyes on it here. But um, anyway, uh, it is something we're called to do and to be about. And, yeah, we have lots of answers that we can find mm-hmm. these days if we'll just uh, look for the answers. And so I don't think people are necessarily looking for the answer man, the answer woman. They're looking for people that really love them and then can come and share with share truth with yeah. them because yeah. truth is available if we look around. These people, they want to know how they can know something is true. People are seeking for truth. But as we often say, they're seeking in all the wrong places. But they want to know, how do I know that what I see from the Bible is actually indeed true? Yes. But part of that is them seeing that the very life of Christ inside of me is real, that it's active, that it takes root. Part of that, by the way, is when a person, they can see that you're genuinely stepping out in something that is uncomfortable, not normal. And they see this matters to this person. This obviously matters to this person enough that they would even take action on it. That is one of the elements of showing a person, I do genuinely care about you. Um, And and so, and once again, also, I think slowing down enough to listen to them, Uh to to be willing to listen to a story. Uh, Real quick, just uh, one of the testimonies of a gal that I got the opportunity to witness to. uh, You know, in all honesty, the coldest responses in going door to door have actually come from people that claim Christ. That's sad. That's really sad. And it still hurts me even yeah. just to think about the conversation that stemmed with this lady. Um, but um, the, the the different doors I've knocked on that have claimed Christ, uh, honestly, have typically been the coldest ones. And do you think some of that is a confusion between some way they've been hurt by a church person mm-hmm. and responding to Jesus or is it really no. a response to Jesus? Yeah, no. Uh, uh, for the people inside the church walls that where I say we've gotten the coldest responses, um, and, and I'll say, praise God, uh, at least at New Hope, I would say, actually, those responses have been very good. So thank you to a couple people I know I've knocked on doors yeah. from, from New Hope. Uh, you know, I've been very thankful for those responses. But there are other area churches that have been very cold, uh, very cold. Those responses are cold in the aspect of they look at you like, what are you doing? That is awkward. Why would you even think about knocking on people's doors? You're giving us a bad name. Don't you know it? And that's the type of response mm. That comes most of the time from people inside the church walls. But the interesting thing is it's 180 degrees different from people not in the church. I went to one person's home, neighbor to this gal, by the way. I went there first, and praise God, I'm so thankful I went to this other home first. Come to find out, they claim Christ, but their neighbors did not see Christ in them. It it was a very cold, distant conversation. I went next door to this gal. And actually, she answered. She's a military gal, so she answered. She was very abrupt. What do you want? <laughs> and and, and, and uh, so I, I just told her, I said, hey, I'm here to do a survey. I'm going to ask a few questions. Uh, it's not political because it's that season. I, I just let them know it's not political. I'm from town here. I just want to know what your thoughts are regarding church. And I'm just going to ask a couple questions, and I'll be on my way unless you want to talk more. And she goes, what's the first question? I mean, just very abrupt, yeah. straight to the point. And uh, and I told her what my first question was. And and it's crazy because the, the question that I thought was probably one of the shallowest questions to help the conversation start was actually probably the deepest one for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember you telling uh, me about her. Yeah. Event. Yeah. Because yeah. she had 
close connections in her past with the That's church, right. but now right. hasn't really reconnected yeah. with the Lord or with his people. And, yeah. yeah. So she, she speaks out to me. She says, uh, she goes, you don't want to know my answer to the first question. You don't go to the next question. And just very abrupt. And I said, well, actually I'm kind of doing something awkward here by coming yeah. to your door to ask questions, but I'm doing it because I, I do want to know. It sounds like you liked one of your past churches from many years ago. Why don't you tell me about that? immediately i mean she just she stops and she starts weeping and she said would you sit down for me with me for a little bit and let's talk and for the next hour we talked around god the bible the church how it should be operating this lady's been begging for someone to just come and hug her because of major life struggles she's been going through yeah. but no one's willing to step out and care for her physically during this during this time and so um that uh, that that's really what probably hit me the most going through all of this is that there's people hurting, breaking, um, needing help. And what they're often seeing is the church walls getting shut up in different ways. And that's not just the legitimate church walls, the, the doors being closed on the church building. Sometimes it is just the way that we with our neighbors treat them. Um, during certain life circumstances or like, I can't go there because that that might be too offensive to them. That same response tells them it, they're not important enough to talk to. And we have to remember that too. And, uh, you know, we've had the ability uh, to keep a little bit of communication with this gal. Um, you know, I, I happen to know that she's done a little bit of the follow-up of, of watching a couple of the clips that we've put out to people to be able to follow up with some of these conversations. But um, that, that will forever stick in my mind. Yeah, That will forever stick in my mind that we as the church body, we need to realize that our very neighbors could be hurting incredibly bad. And that could be the opportunity to step in and share the gospel with them. We don't know this, but oftentimes God brings about burden for us to understand that the only peace that can be provided, First, or excuse me, Second Corinthians 1, God is the God of all comfort. He's the source of comfort. No comfort comes from anyone except for from him. And that those of us that have received that comfort, it's meant to be shared. Amen. I think that's a great application. I have one other application as well. Uh, and, and I mean, take that and run with it because, yeah, there definitely are hurting people all around us that we need to be in tune to what God's doing. The second application that you were telling me a little bit about, and not all of us may be equipped to make lots and lots of meat and have a neighborhood party, but I think in a small way, uh, we could follow up in this application. Just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing, your latest venture. Yeah. Um, so talk about taking like the hobbies and things that, you know, I, I've kind of taken an enjoyment in uh, putting together meals and things of that for people. And uh, we were able to have a little bit of a block party, have some people over to our home. And uh, what Melanie and I have found is these are fun ways to allow the kids to play games, things like that. And we could be sitting around a picnic table talking with our neighbors, talking about real life things. And quite frankly, it's very easy to have those conversations remain How's the sports going for your family? How's all this other stuff in your life going? Right. How's your work going? And we can leave it there. Quite frankly, those are also wonderful opportunities to just start talking with people. You can even use current event situations so easily nowadays to honestly find out from people, how are you really doing? What's what's really going on in your life? How, how can I pray for you? And then as they start sharing, you can also easily walk into, hey, so what does God mean to you in all this? You know, and finding out there's a lot of people that will proclaim God. But they have no idea how to prove that he actually exists. If you can't prove that God exists in your own mind, then you're not going to follow God. 
not not to the way that he desires and calls people to, and you're not going to understand the full hope of what he can actually provide. One of the things we've really become accustomed to is finding out what's your real honest opinion? What do you really see about God? Yeah. How do you know what you see of God to be true? Or do you have a lot of questions? And uh, really, quite frankly, these surveys, the picnics with our neighbors, different things that we've had the opportunity to do, all the things that God's put in our life, that does not mean that this is how someone else has got to respond and share the gospel. Yeah, but, and re really, I invited you on today, Josh, just to uh, let people hear your yeah. passion for sharing the gospel with people, your heart to do that. And exactly what Josh is saying is our style may be completely different, but a part of the adventure of living the Christian life is really being on mission right where we live, right where we work, right where we recreate. You're really missing out if that's not a part of your growth trajectory. And so my prayer, my hope for every one of us is that we'll just begin to ask that question, God, what are you doing in this person's life? What's going on here? And how can I share the good news of Jesus with them? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. God bless. And uh, thanks a lot, Josh. It's been great uh, just to hear a little bit in. of your heart. Yeah.